The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Always so much to get through in the week trending with Sinead O'Carroll, editor of the journal.ie and Michael Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Let's start with this former GA star under investigation for alleged fraud. Something we covered, Sinead, on the programme earlier in the week. Now, in fairness, a lot of people are asking, why aren't we naming him, given that his name is all over the country? I doubt if there's a GA person in the country who doesn't know what it is. But I suppose we have to say these are allegations and he's entitled to his good name until such time as there is definitive proof. Yeah, we know there's an investigation, but there have been no charges. Nothing has been decided by courts. Um, so for legal reasons, you'll see that in written in every single report you read about this for legal reasons, the name is, is not put forward. Um, but there are other details that we're hearing. Um, you know, a, a good few reports have come out this week um, about the various things that have been told to people um, with requests for money about how he was suffering and needed uh, treatment um, for cancer. And I think the details that will really shock people is going to families who had themselves been unfortunate enough to have suffered with cancer and saying that the cancer was similar to their cancer and, you know, could could a bit of help be given. Like that really, it reminds me of, um, do you remember that Australian woman who became a social media star because she um, talked about her fight with cancer and how she was going to get over it and she ended up, she ended up um, in front of courts and owed a lot of money back and they've actually, they haven't been able to get the money back off her, a woman called Belle Gibson if people remember her. Um, they've raided like about three years after this, she initially uh, came to court they raided her house in, in the hopes of getting some of the, the hundreds of thousands of Euro, yeah, uh, Australian dollars she Because owed. make it suggested in this particular case the sums could even be up nearly to a million quid and as it happens I mean I had heard that this individual had cancer a number of years ago. We don't know actually whether he has had it or still has it or whether he's made it up. Yeah, I'd heard it was, it was a good while ago, you know, and I thought it was one of these instances where thankfully the individual got over it. But I mean, the, the, the other issue around it is that a number of these reports have gone back 10 years nearly. And, you know, like for instance, there was one, the GA Asian branch invited him over to Malaysia to uh, as a guest and... Um, he requested a fee of €10,000 and this was rejected. No, they, they, they didn't give it to him in that instance. But there have been reports of six-figure sums. And we also know that, for example, in other places like the USA, it's very obvious, you have an awful lot of uh, exiled people over there who would be big GA fans and who would be willing to, to give money to causes as they would see it. So it's, it's, um, it's very sad in one way, you know. But, I mean, apart from that... It'd be very interesting to see what the, the Bureau the Bureau of Economic Crime, I think it's the formerly the fraud squad, actually come up with and whether there is a case that uh, this was money by deception because I wouldn't say it's all that clear cut. I but think that's, it's complex, isn't it? Because yeah. if, if, we, if you don't... If you don't have the correct timelines and then you don't have the exact request and if there was friendships and all of that. Exactly. It's, it's, uh, but you know, isn't it an awful thing to think that somebody, if they haven't cancer, would say that they have? Because if you hear somebody says that you have cancer, you automatically assume that the truth has been told because why else would you actually say something like that? I mean, Absolutely. do you have to suddenly start, well, I need proof of your cancer before I actually give you any help and assistance? Every family in the country has been touched in one way or another, Matt. It is not something anybody in their right mind, personally, I would say, fool around with in that respect, you know. It's a, it's a shocking, in all sense of that term, lie to tell. OK, let's talk about Stephen Yaxley-Lennon. 
And I always use that name because Tommy Robinson is an alias. It's a performance name. It's a stage name for a guy who is a criminal and has a lengthy rap sheet and now is over here in Ireland getting involved with anti-immigrant protesters, some of whom are really who are trying to give him a degree of credibility that he certainly does not actually deserve. Sinead, tell us about what he's up to. Um, well, we don't exactly know what he's up to in Ireland um, other than he feels that there are like-minded people popping up here um, and uh, heading to protests that he, I'd say, would say aligns with his interests, even though his interests are absolutely nothing to do with Ireland. Um, and in fact, he has shown himself in the past to be quite anti-Irish when it suits him. He is very anti-Irish when it suits him. So he's actually um, has Irish family um, but has said before that he doesn't in any way kind of recognise that, that he is, you know, English to the core and that, you know, he has supported soldiers in Northern Ireland who have been charged um, over things that happened during the Troubles. Bloody Sunday. Yeah, and he has, um, you know, been on record with a lot of anti-Irish sentiment. So to be here now and putting up things with Irish flags and being photographed with Irish people um, and saying that he's going to see his family, um, it just all stinks. <laughs> what do you make of this, Michael? Yeah, I mean, obviously he knew things were being ramped up here. These people have connections online. That's well known, particularly with Europe, in Europe and the UK in particular. And obviously he decided this was a time to come over here and make hay, so to speak. He also claims he's making a documentary. But I mean, there is nothing but trouble from an individual like this. And, and uh, sorry, Michael, he's also been photographed with well-known criminals, even in the I last I think he was a brother, a brother. Of, of, of a very well-known drug dealer, apparently, in the last day or two. He's been photographed. But I mean, look, he is a criminal. I mean, do you know what I mean? That, 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 that's the nature. Yeah, just take us through his rap sheet. Yeah, I don't have it here to hand, now, Matt. But the, the nature of his... Um, well, also o- over, one... over the years, he has been, he has been done for various... Um, well, actually, one of the most ironic assaulted ones... Assaulted a police officer yeah. in 2005 and financial and immigration fraud he was involved in and contempt of court. The big one people remember will be the contempt of court. That was kind of a big fight. Which over, he went to like, jail for nine months for. Yeah, or he stood outside... Um, and that's the one that he kind of probably got most of his attention and fame for. But he was also convicted of trying to get into the United States on a false passport. The <laughs> irony of the that. Irony, yes, uh, is. But with the same with all of this stuff, like when um, we talk about the far right, there'll always be people saying, don't brandish everyone as the far right. But there are some people who are far right and there are some ideologies that are far right. Even if you don't identify yourself as far right, you might believe in one of their ideologies. So that's why it's important to name it and that's why it's important to, to not shy away from it. And when it's people like this and they are trying to get other activists and other people on board. That's why you have to be really, really clear on what he is doing. Okay, there's actually a listener has said he's in Killarney at present and I I did see a photograph today of him with somebody in Killarney and of course given that Killarney has some large immigration centres as well, that was probably what has attracted him Absolutely, there was some incidents down there before and there were serious efforts by like people like-minded Tommy Robinson to go into the town and to the best of my knowledge, largely they were given short shrift but 
it's like all in all these places they try and agitate local people who have genuine. Hopefully, well, this will backfire because I do think people, even those people who had fears and concerns um, about things happening in their town, I, I do think a lot of these people will see people like Tommy Robinson and go, "No, that is not mm. what I want. That is not what." And actually, have to think a bit more about how they are speaking, what what they need to do, and and hopefully then even go even further and say, "Well, actually, we want to be." very different to that because if you see what's happening what happened in Liverpool last week there was a huge protest outside uh, accommodation centre for for refugees and asylum seekers there was a police car set on fire um, and the chants were get them out so it looked the exact same as some of the protests that have happened here and that's not a coincidence that's the playbook that's people activists like this going over saying this is what you do this is how you whip them up these are the chants you give them and not all of those people are far right but that's how it works but yeah, listener here says if Tommy Robinson is a criminal, how did he get into the country? Well, it's freedom of movement Free, freedom freedom yeah. movement to Britain. Is, uh, the other thing that Mal, I thought was interesting, I think you were uh, on last week, was it uh, Pierce McHenry? Yes. From, and he made, and I heard this elsewhere, somebody else who monitors them, that you're talking about 25 to 30 individuals are really at the heart of this. Yeah. I just thought that was really well, interesting. Here's another thing. The listener says, how have we come to a place where working class Dublin mothers are being labelled as fascist? I don't think they are being labelled no. as no, fascist. I think They're not being labelled as racist no. either. Every single interview I've heard anybody talk about this, there are pains to say not everyone turning up to these yeah. are far right, but it is important to understand the origins of some of this stuff. I was, I was down at East Wall there a couple of months ago and it was really obvious who the individuals there were from outside the area who were agitating in that and who were the local people. There was a small crossover, but that was about it. And you'll find the same thing everywhere. People have concerns. Uh, they have concerns about services. They have concer- a lot of concerns like that. But they've been completely hyped up and agitated. I've saw, I saw the town I'm very familiar with in the Midlands last week. I saw a video before it went out and it was really appalling. Thankfully, there was a very small protest there ultimately and dis- despite their best efforts. Matt, uh, the other side of this is there's money to be made. So... Robinson makes a living of He makes a living. New York Times in 2021 estimated that he had received over £2 million in donations and sponsorship. So he does owe a lot of money because he lost a defamation case. But that's that's money that he's making from making videos, from putting out his racist tripe. Um, Things like, and the same, again, the same things are happening on a much, much smaller scale in Ireland. But people are seeing that way of making money and copying it. As the listener says, it's all a grift, all a scam. Total grift. We will come back. We've lots more in the week trending to get to with Michael Clifford and Sinead O'Carroll after this. Lots more to get through in the week trending with Sinead O'Carroll, editor of the journal.ie and Michael Clifford, special correspondent with the Irish Examiner. Uh, Mick, is it fair to Eamon Ryan to give him stick for going on a St. Patrick's Day trip to China? Because as an environmentalist, his flights will exceed the annual emissions of the average Irish car. It's a tough one, I think, Matt. To be honest with you, I, I, I completely accept his bona fides, unlike an awful lot of people in relation to the climate. But... He sort of has given a hostage to fortune with this one. I mean, China. I have a recollection of Trevor Sargent when he was leader of the Greens in government going to Paris for Patrick's Day and staying in a a cell-like residence inside in the Irish Embassy in Paris, which I thought was admirable under the circumstances. I I don't think Eamon Ryan is um, doing it to, to see the sights of China, to be fair to him. Uh, and the, the the defense that has come from some of his party 
colleagues is that if they didn't go Fianna Fáil or Fianna Gael would anyway but he has certainly left himself open well, I wonder uh, will, he, will he bring up environmental issues with the Chinese as oh, the world's biggest polluter given that, that we haven't really brought up human rights issues with them previously particularly even when Xi Jinping visited this country 11 years ago when he was Vice President. I think what should be on the agenda and what will be on the agenda will be very much flipped in order of priority um, in terms of what will actually be happening. And in fairness, the St. Patrick's Day trips are always flagged as investment slash what what can be done for us kind of trips. I think these are the kind of stories, though, that actually put people off thinking that they can do anything about climate change because you think, like... Everything is is a, a whataboutery. Everything is a, well, like it doesn't make sense that a government minister can't fly somewhere. They have to be able to fly somewhere. That doesn't mean that Eamon Ryan is now bad on climate change. He d- takes a lot of steps in his life every single day to try and do right by the, by the planet. So, but I, you can't cycle to Beijing. Exactly. Like you have to be practical. And I think everybody who actually talks, I obviously missed a movie reference there. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) Uh, Two men just rolling their eyes at me here. (laughs) I was talking serious politics. Sorry. Uh, You've distracted you. You've distracted me now. I was going to fix climate change there, Matt. I don't know. (laughs) John Gibbons does that for us every Thursday. Look, there's one other aspect to it, Don. I mean, I I completely accept this idea of them having to travel in terms of looking out for Ireland's interests, investments and all. But when I saw the list, I I wondered, should there be a kind of an analysis, purely in terms of of the carbon footprint in in general? All the junior ministers, all the senior, I think Michael McGrath drew the unluckies, straw staying at home. I just wonder some of the places they're going to, whether it's necessary at this stage of the game. OK, well, let's move on to other things. There's a case in England that's getting an enormous amount of attention of a missing woman called Nicola Bully. And it's just one of these, OK, people go missing all the time, but just for some reason, this seems to have attracted a particular amount of media attention in the UK. But that was got extraordinary in the revelations that have been made about her personal medical conditions in advance for going absent. Yeah, so like you said, there's some cases just get more attention and um, sometimes there's very obvious reasons and sometimes we just don't know. It really reminds me of the Gabby Petito case in the US uh, last year or the year before where there was kind of this amateur sleuthing and detective work online Um, and that's kind of what's happened here as well or in the UK and with this one that people feel like they, you know, can figure out more than the police can. And that's kind of the the context to the police coming out and saying, you know, they had said that she was high risk and there was vulnerabilities. And then they made the unprecedented move of telling us those vulnerabilities, which was that she had um, alcohol issues um, related to the menopause. So two very, very um, private pieces of information that now the entire... How have they justified that? So... They have justified it saying there was actually so much noise and bad information circulating and distracting and obviously getting calls and having to deal with reports, etc. that they had to kind of in some ways try not to feed the beast and say this is why she was high risk. This is what we're dealing with here rather than allowing people go 20 different directions and pulling the detectives in all of those directions. You can kind of see they were damned if they did and damned if they didn't. 
Um, there's a lot of criticism and I think a lot of people with fair criticism about putting this stuff out there. But then on the other side, if they don't um, and this continues to get the attention it does and it takes attention away from other investigations, it takes uh, police hours away from other investigations, that's not a great situation either. Yeah, I just definitely some sympathy for the police. And I mean, I know there is an issue o- o- over private details. But I mean, when you put it in the context this morning on Sky News at the precise time that uh, Nicola Bully disappeared in, in the morning time, uh, did a very prominent presenter retracing her steps. It was the, the weirdest telly oh, I've ever I mean, seen. You know, that's and and that's that's where things are at. Media stroke social media, like the, trying to outdo each other. Yeah, and the, it's just really got crazy. And you have the police there, and it seems obvious to me the police genuinely believe that. Unfortunately, it appears as if the woman went into the river. She that could have been accidentally. Whatever way, they seem to believe that. They seem to also believe that it's unlikely there was another party involved one way or the other so they come to this position as to why would that have happened and then they end up putting this out it was a judgement call I have sympathy with them and but I, I can see why there's criticism but I, I would have some sympathy with them particularly when there's something like alcohol involved and the potential for somebody to look for example to fall into the river at that time unfortunately mm. Like the police said that in 29 years of service, uh, the detective in charge said she'd never seen anything like this. So they are dealing with something that they've never dealt with before. And, and to what Mick is saying there, like they have widened search out to the sea as well as the river. So it's all very, very sad. It's incredibly sad. Two and it's incredibly children, sad yeah. for the family to be in the midst of this media storm, social media storm while going through their worst days. OK, let's move it on. I'm old enough to remember the horror of discovering that a pint could cost more than a pound. We're talking old currency before the euro came in. But 10 euro for a pint, uh, Sinead? It's like it, it's money has lost all meaning, isn't it? It's just like, uh, what? 9 euro 50. 9 euro 95 Five. in the Temple Bar pub. Like, that's, yeah. Now, the, the owners of the Temple Bar pubs will say it's not just about the pint it's about the music and it's about the service and everything else you provide along with the pint in Temple Bar Um, I don't know I haven't been to Temple Bar in a long long time I don't know if that extra because you can get a pint for 4.55 euro down the road from Temple Bar so I don't know if that 5 euro extra is worth it might might, might betray a misspent youth math but I actually remember the first time it was about 72p Old <laughs> Jeez, Mick, you're the same age as me, so I, I don't remember getting was, any of them. Well, it must have been down to Kerry somewhere rather than in Cork, anyway. Well, I'm, I, I have a distinct memory of that. I have to say, unfortunately, that maybe might be true. I was very tall, young fellow. Let me just put it that way. You weren't that tall. I remember you. You weren't. Um, it's insane. I mean, at, at the moment, this stuff. But then the whole nature of people drinking in pubs as far as I can see, has gone under uh, complete transformation. Uh, People don't do it to the extent that they do anymore anyway, and it's become a completely different, uh, to use that word, experience. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, there's something else I want to ask you about. Mika Richards has become a very popular football pundit. A bit of a foil for Roy Keane, particularly in Sky Sports, after his career with Manchester City and Aston Villa. And he's a very cheerful chappy. I have to admit, though, Sinead, maybe it's just me, but I never noticed anything particular about his hair. (laughs) And yet it seems that he spends a phenomenal amount on it. Yeah, he gets it trimmed, he said, 
pretty much every time he goes on telly. So they, they were three times they a week. They were working out that a lot of the times it's three times a week and the barber is £200 a pop. So it sounds like the barber comes to him. So that's obviously not going to be cheap and he does the, the trim of it. Um, the funniest part of this and I would tell people to go and look up the clip the f- absolute funniest part of this is Thierry Henry who's a, a serious dude like he's a, s- a serious guy he starts trying to delve into the psychology of Richards of like why he feels the need to do this like and and Michael Richards is kind of saying like well look at my hair and there's a very sharp like line so I can see why he needs to get it done two or three times a week because it's very very sharp cool fashion line in his head and uh, he Thierry Henry's looking at him going, but why do you feel like necessary? Is it a compulsion? Do you ha- absolutely have to before you feel ready to come on TV? He wants to like sit him down on a counsellor's chair and figure out like why why the haircut is so important. And he means it so sincerely in the clip. Yeah. Whereas like Richards is just laughing going like, I like my hair to look sharp. <laughs> First of all, it has to be tax deductible if he's doing this for the television. Secondly, <laughs> he, must, he must be earning a massive amount of money. And if I was earning that amount of money, even with the little bit of hair I have left, <laughs> maybe I'd do the same thing. Third thing is, the one thing that gets in my wick about Michael Richards is Roy Keane just has to open his mouth and say the most innocuous thing and Mike, I think, is he's bent over laughing. It's the funniest thing he's ever heard in his life. That's all I see about him. I never noticed the hair, unfortunately. I'm just looking at the photographs of the hair and I mean, like, it's the most bog standard <laughs> haircut you could imagine. If you get the close-up ah, in the you're, clip. You're, the, the detail, you're missing yeah, the detail. the close-up, there's a detail there. It's as <laughs> sharp as a ruler. Okay, I can sort of see it sort of boxed <laughs> off on his yeah, forehead, isn't it? Yeah. So you imagine if you have a bit of growth there where you're not meant to have it, you know, it's going to lose the look. I just think, yeah, as Mick said, if people have the money and they want to spend it, let them off it. If they want to spend it on 10 euro pints in Temple Bar, let them do it. If they want to spend it on 200 pound haircuts, the, the hair, yeah. let them do it. Go, go after every pint for a yeah. haircut, even at that. I'm at sure that. every so often they're throwing something to a good cause, etc. Yeah. And Yeah. A listener here says, Matt, I'm 47. I remember getting a pint of Beamish in Dennehy's Cross Bar now long since demolished for 89p. I think you must have been drinking in the more upmarket Cork bars. I knew Dennehy's Cross Bar way there too no well. <laughs> in fact, a former teammate, classmate of mine, Jeromani, used to be behind the bar when I used to be in there. I actually remember him. I, I was in, and I remember the 89p uh, for a pint in there too. Thank you very much, Mick Clifford and Shane O'Carroll. <laughs> the last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today FM.